I am not Mike Antos. Mike is much better looking than I am. So it's sorry about that. Okay, got a PowerPoint for you again today and we will roll it, Charlie. Okay, uh, all right, let's do another one. Um, there's an old Negro spiritual hymn entitled, Were You There? Uh, raise your hand if you ever heard it before. Yeah, it's a good old hymn, and it's sung very reverently, and uh, it's not in our hymn books, any of our hymn books that I know about. And I'm just going to remind you of a few words from that lovely hymn. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm not going to sing to you. Uh, I am not going to sing to you. I'm just going to quote the words. And, and again, the titles, were you there? It's a tremendous question. Um, okay, verse one reminds us, were you there when they crucified the Lord? Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Oh, sometimes, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Uh, verse 3. Okay, verse 3. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And then it goes, repeats the refrain, were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Another great question. And then line four, whoops, too fast, too fast with the trigger here. Uh, were you there when God raised him from the dead? Were you there, were you there when God raised him from the dead? Uh, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble. Were you there when, they raised, when God raised him from the dead? So before we get to our passage today in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, raise your hand if you can say, if you were literally there when they crucified our Savior, when they buried him and he rose again from the dead, raise your hand if you can say you were literally and physically there to that greatest event ever happened in world history. Can anybody say that? Can anybody claim that you were there, that we were there? Can anybody claim that? Anybody? Then I ask you another question. Why do we believe it? Why have you and why have I believed that? If we're not there, why do we believe it? Well, um, the simple answer, I guess it's helpful to have my Bible. Why do I believe it and why do you believe it? And I hope everybody in this room believes that. It's because this book, the Word of God, says that we were there. Um, you know, faith requires an object and faith requires information. The blessed object of our, my little talk today is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the information is in this book right here. We're going to read a passage in 1 Corinthians 15. If you'll turn there, please. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8 and why we believe it, why I believe it, 
and I'm staking my life on this and, and my eternal salvation on this information that you and I are going to re be reminded of in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. First Corinthians, I'm reading from the King James, a well-known passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And I'll get there eventually. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Paul, the author. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which you also have received. Thank God for that. And wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. Thank God, 62 years ago, I received it. I'm standing on that, and I'm saved in the gospel message. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to what? according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to what according to the scriptures and that he was seen of cephas then of the 12 after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep after that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says he was seen of me also as of one born out of uh, due time. Were you there? Were you there? Well, if we're born again, put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. The scripture says we were there by faith. Okay, so let's press on. So, for my little talk today, I decided to borrow the title, Why Not Say, Were You There? <laughs> Just borrowed it, okay? And our passage is 1 Cor 15, 1 through 8. And in this passage, the Holy Scriptures confirms to us four historical infallible proofs of the glorious gospel message of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for application, I'm going to save that till the end. Okay, I'm going to save application until the end. So what are these four proofs? What are these four proofs? Well, number one, the scriptures confirms the proof that Christ died for our sins in verse 3. Number two, the scriptures confirms the proof that he was buried in verse four. Number three, the scriptures confirm the proof that he arose again the third day, again in verse four. And lastly, the scriptures confirm the proof that he was seen, and please notice the adjective, by many eyewitnesses. Many, not just a couple, but by many, okay? So let's press on, press on here.
Okay, number one, the scripture confirms the proof that Christ died for our sins. So using some simple hermeneutical principles of who, what, where, and so forth, um, I came up with this and, you know, of who died for our sins, of where he died for our sins, of how he died for our sins. And number four is very precious to me, of why did the Lord Jesus die for you and I? That's going to be very precious to us. So of who died for our sins, of where he died for our sins, how he died for our sins, and of why. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? So the first little thought of where he died for our sins. Now, um, I bypassed number one because it says of who died. It's obviously in our text that Christ died for our sins. That's obviously in our text, verse three. So I'm just moving on to number two of where he died for our sins. Now, if we were to look at Luke 23, 33, this is but one example. There are other verses that said where he died. But I like Luke 23, 33, the first part. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, well, that's, that's where he was crucified. Calvary. Now, that's the English name for the, uh, what is it, the Arabic? How do you say that word? Arabic word for Golgotha, the skull. Uh, that's the English name. Same, same, Golgotha, uh, so forth. And so when you come to the place which is called Calvary. So the scriptures reminds us of where he died. He died, he was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem. He was, he was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem, a place which is called Calvary. And it looks like a skull. It looks like a skull, okay? So let's press on. Of how he died for our sins. And now in that same verse, part two, of when, you know, they came to a place called Calvary, and it says, and there they, and notice the verb, they crucified him. Um, our precious Savior did not die an ordinary death. Now, my limited understanding of the, of the crucifixion is, uh, and, and I appreciate uh, any other comments after I'm done, that the cruci uh, crucifixion is one of the worst and most horrible forms of, of capital punishment that man has ever devised. Um, it has been known that some individuals could linger on a cross up to three or four days. Um, you know, the nails in his hand, the nails, not ordinary nails, uh, nails about yay long, driven through his hands and his feet. Uh, a crown of thorns on his head. They were not ordinary thorns, like in our little rose things. Uh, they're thorns like of this in length. Uh, a crown of thorns. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. Uh, they pierced his side with a spear. And that was all for you and I. Uh, that, and, you know, we forget that he was what? What's the word? He was flogged. He was, uh, I can't remember what they called that. When they, you know, is it cattails? Uh, what do they call that? They just, okay, flogged. Okay. And it is known that a lot of indiv individuals never survived that, uh, you know, but he survived all that. 
He survived all of that. And they willfully nailed him to the cross. And, uh, and I mean, you know, uh, his, 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 his uh, what, his bones and joints all out of, or no, his, his uh, joints all out of, how am I say, how do you say it? All out of, out of place. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> I need help. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 and they can't breathe and, and all these things. And that was all for you and I. Think about that. It was all for you and I what he endured on that cross because of his great love for you and I. Uh, nowadays, when it comes to capital punishment, what do we do? We try to make it painless. You know, they give them a drug. Uh, of course, I don't have a clue what that would be like, but they drug them and so forth. But oh, the pain, the agony that our Savior bore for you and I. Um, number three, whoop, I missed something. I got to back up here. Okay, back up again. Okay, what, um, hold on one minute, there's something missing here. Okay, um, I guess my slide's out of place, but number four of why he died for our sins. Now, this is very precious to me of why he died for our sins. You ever think about it? Why did he die for our sins? Um, I love 1 Timothy 1.15. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? To save sinners. So that means you and I qualified. Everybody qualified. We got family and friends, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, strangers. We got people that qualified. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. I like what the Lord Jesus said before he went to the cross. He said, I come to seek and to save that which was lost. Uh, we heard this morning in the, in the Lord's Supper. Uh, Romans 5.8, but God the Father demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm still lost in wonder at that. And I am so thankful he did that. Because there was no other way you and I could be saved. No other way. The Lord Jesus willingly left heaven, the glory of heaven, to come into this world for one purpose, to die for you and I, to suffer for you and I. And I am so thankful he did that. So thankful he did that. Now, um, as we are thinking about these points right here, uh, you know, he did all this of how, he, you know, of who died, of where he died, how he died, and why he died. Uh, I was thinking of the hymn, No Other Plea, it's page number 390 in the Red Hymn Book, you know, according to scriptures. And I like this little reminder of, of, of the words in hymn number 390, no other plea. I'll just read them to you. Um, this, the hymn writer says, My faith has found the resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. And 
Verse 3, my heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God, salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And what's the relevance of this? It was all according to the scriptures. So, my dear brothers and sisters, for all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, it's reminding us that you and I, by faith, were there when they crucified him. That's, what we're, that's where I'm going with this. By faith, you and I were there. And that's what I love about the world supper. World supper. <laughs> the Lord's Supper. <laughs> uh, I am subject to error. Uh, that's what I love about the Lord's uh, Supper. I'm going to start to say it again. When we come, we remember that. We remember that. That he was crucified. That he died for us. How precious. How precious. Okay, not only does the scripture confirm to us the proof that Christ died for our sins, but also, but also the scriptures confirm the proof that he was buried. So the normal thing to do, regardless of where in the world, when an individual dies, what's the next thing you do? Well, you bury them. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture, because of the climate, they didn't have refrigeration. Uh, they better bury them fairly soon because, what, the body's going to deteriorate. Uh, in the Western world, we got refrigeration and all that. And, yeah, I mean, you know, they can have the funeral uh, months later. Uh, so the normal thing to do is, you know, is bury them. So we're going to look very briefly at who was buried, and that's covered in verse 4. We're going to look briefly at where he was buried and of how he was buried. His burial was very unique, very unique, okay? So we already know in verse 4 of who was buried, our Savior. Of where he was buried, if we were to look at John chapter 19, verses 41 and 42, now it says, now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein never man yet laid, there laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So we know from the scriptures that there was a garden. He was buried in a garden. Okay. Let's press on. Whoop again. Okay of how he was buried. Now, this is very unique. His was not an ordinary burial. It was not an ordinary burial. Um, let's look at Matthew 27 through 62 through 66, which I put up here for us all to see. Now, the verse before it, on the next day, you know, the Pharisees who hated the Lord Jesus, they came to Pilate. And in Matthew 62, beginning in verse 62, saying, Sir, they're talking to Pilate now. We remember that that deceiver said, they called him a deceiver, said that while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, <clears throat> that the sepulcher be made sure until what? The third day. 
lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, go your way, and notice Pilate's statement there in red. Make it as sure as you can. They don't want him to, you know, just in case they, in case he might actually do that. They don't want that. The Pharisees don't want that. It says, make it as sure as you can. So they went and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Now, the watch was not the temple guards. It was the centurion. And I don't know how many men. They were soldiers. And they were the elite of the Roman army. Uh, if by chance the disciples should steal him away, they would lose their lives. If by chance they fell asleep and the, 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 the centurion or somebody came along, they would all lose their lives. So you better be sure that they were watching very carefully. Now, the stone was sealed. That's a special seal. And it was not an ordinary stone. Now, in Matthew, in one of the Gospels, it says a large stone. Now, I was never there physically, and that was no ordinary stone. And I think the stone is on a, an incline that uh, once it goes down, it's double the weight to try to move it the opposite direction. I think that's the layout. Uh, that stone was not an ordinary stone. It probably weighed a ton or two. So no ordinary person could move that or persons could move that. And, and setting a watch. They wanted to make sure that he stayed there. Because that would prove that he was the Messiah. And they would all look, you know, they'd all be in big trouble. So they wanted to make sure he'd stayed there. Now in my sanctified imagination... If you can imagine for a minute, let's suppose the Lord Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago. Suppose he was to come today, and he was to die for our sins, and he was to be buried. Uh, if he came today, they would, they would probably dig a hole uh, a half a mile deep. They would fill it with concrete. They'd have the latest sensors. They'd have drones, all this surveillance to make sure he wouldn't rise from the dead. But... When it comes to God, when he makes a promise, <laughs> it was all in vain. It was all in vain, thinking that, you know, he was going to stay in the grave. Um, I love the hymn, the hymn, Christ Arose. Uh, and it says, it, says, it says in verse 2, and I love these words concerning what they did. Vainly, they sealed the dead. In fact, I better look at that. Um, let me see, it's in hymn 167, Christ Arose. I like that little this little saying right here. Vainly, no, excuse me. Vainly they, the guard, the centurion, watches bed. Uh, vainly they sealed the dead. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave he arose. It would have made no difference if a thousand Romans would have been there. It would have made no difference. He still would have conquered the grave. He still would have rose from the grave. And that was all for you and I. There was no way 
he was going to stay in the grave. And so, if we believe that, then by faith, you and I were there when he was buried. Okay? By faith, you and I were there when he was buried. Well, let's move on. Number three, the scriptures confirm the proof that he arose again the third day, verse four. Well, in verse four, again, it says very clearly of who arose, our, our, our blessed Savior. And it says when he arose, it says on the third day. Uh, okay, I repeated a word one. Uh, the last one is how he arose, okay? It's not when twice, the last point of how he arose. We'll look briefly at John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. We know who arose, when he arose, and we'll look of how he arose. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, therefore, does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me. But I lay it down on myself. I have the power. I have the power to lay it down. And I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. Now we know they crucified the Lord Jesus. But he chose the time when he would die. He also chose the time when he would arise from the grave. He had that power. Now, I believe the scriptures is very clear that the Father and the Spirit were also involved in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. But I do like that, and I am reminded, we are reminded, he had the power to take it again or rise from the dead. No way was he going to stay in the grave because of his great love for you and I. Um, I found a quote, Christianity begins where religion ends with the resurrection. Acts 4.12 says that all religions and cults are but a name under heaven. But our salvation is, you know, is, is the confirmation is his resurrection from the dead on the third day. Um, yeah. All, all religions are based on do. Uh, our gospel message is based on done. Uh, he died for our sins. He buried. He rose again the third day, just like he said he would. Just like he said he would. So, by faith, you and I were there, by faith, when he arose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Wow. So thankful for that. The grave could not keep him down. And... Um, not only does the scriptures confirm to us the proof that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day, but also, in my final point, the scriptures confirms that he was seen by many eyewitnesses. And again, notice the adjective, not by a few, by many eyewitnesses, verse 5, 7, and 8 of many eyewitnesses by name, it's in that passage, and of many eyewitnesses by number, okay? Um, yeah, 
Okay, so of uh, uh, many eyewitnesses by name, verse five said he was seen of Cephas. Uh, in verse seven, after that, he was seen of James. And in verse nine, Paul confirms that he, the apostle Paul, saw him also. Uh, so we have it by name, and we have of many eyewitnesses by number. Uh, verse six, uh, or verse five, the end of the 12, and after that he was seen of above 500. Uh, I would say that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Do we remember the Old Testament scriptures that everything needed to be confirmed by what? Two or three eyewitnesses. That's an Old Testament thing. You know, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. Here, we got the 12, we got the 12, and we got 500 witnesses. Wow. Do you think that's enough confirmation? <laughs> I think that's plenty of confirmation. Um, I know next to nothing about the laws of the land, except, you know, when you break them, you're in trouble. Did you know that in a court of law that eyewitnesses carries the most weight? Did you know that? In most courts of law, eyewitnesses carries the most weight. Uh, if you get in trouble and you're arrested, uh, hopefully you have some eyewitnesses that you didn't do that. You weren't where they said you were and you didn't do it. Hopefully you have some eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses carries the most weight, okay? Okay. Conclusion. Uh, therefore, seeing that the scriptures confirms to us these proofs, these four proofs that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried and he arose again the third day, and that he was seen by many eyewitnesses, I ask you to question, what should be our response, your response and my response to these proofs? What should be our response? Well, I was thinking of two things. First of all, worship. Worship. Are we still lost in wonder that Jesus died for you and I? That he is buried. That he arose again the third day. Are we still lost in wonder that? How often do we in our individual lives besides Sunday, how often do we thank him for saving our souls? How often? Uh, it's not this reserve for Sunday. And also, what should our response be? It should be for a witness. The gospel message is the message that excels every message in this world. Um, my understanding of the internet, since the internet has come into existence and now we got text messages in the millions, what Jesus did on the cross excels all of them because all that stuff's passing away. How did Christ die for our sins according to the scriptures? That he was buried, that he arose again the third day according to scriptures. And one's eternal destiny depends on what we will do with that. A person will do with that. So God help us to be a witness. God help us to be a witness in our daily living to our families and friends, our neighbors, co-workers, classmates, and even to strangers. God help us to be a witness. But my final, uh, my final illustration is a true story. Uh, there is a brother 
uh, an American. I will not mention his name. But he led a tour guide to Israel, and X amount of believers went with him. So they went to Israel, and they had a Jewish tour guide. They had a Jewish tour guide. He's not saved. And so this Jewish tour guide would take him to different places, you know, going back to, you know, historical things. And he'd take them and he says, you know, this is like, I'm just giving an example. This is where David slew Goliath. And, and the leader, the tour guide, the brother would say, yeah, I know that. <laughs> we know that. And, and I kind of stunned the tour guide a little bit. He says, well, how could they know that? You know, you weren't, you weren't there. And he would take them some other place. And, you know, like this is where Jesus, the wedding of Cana and so forth, his first miracle. And the brother would say again, he says, yeah, I, I know that. I know that. And he says, we know that. He goes, oh, okay. And he took him some more places. And I guess finally he took him to the garden tomb. And this, he says something like, okay, this is where you Gentiles, you know, claim to Jesus as your savior. You rose again from dead. And he says, yeah. He says, I know that. We know that. And he started getting frustrated. You know, every, every time he took him someplace, he says, I know that. And he started getting frustrated. He started getting angry. He says, how do you know that? He said, were you there? Were you there? How do you know that? And the brother confidently says, yeah. He says, I was there. By faith, he was there. And you and I were there when they crucified the Lord, when they buried him, and he rose again from the dead. We were there. I'm so thankful for the message of the gospel that we were there. I am so thankful for that. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, again, thank you for the glorious gospel message that Paul wrote for us. How did Christ die for our sins according to the scriptures? And that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. Thank God for your inerrant, infallible, your holy scriptures to confirm to our souls anew in 2022 that by faith we were there. Thank God for so great salvation. Thank God for the peace that you give based on the scriptures that the world does not know. Thank you so much for saving our souls. And God help us to respond with worship when we remember these things. God help us respond with worship because, Lord Jesus, you are more worthy than tongue or pen can ever tell. And God help us to be a witness to our families and friends, our neighbors and coworkers and classmates, and even to strangers who are without Christ. Because hell and the lake of fire is a horrible place. And the scripture says, O oh Lord, it's not your will that any should perish. So God help us to be worshipers and to be witness until the Lord Jesus comes again. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and all for his glory. Amen.